Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me from cold with me from the cold we've got Stephanie Stephanie do you have snow I heard there was some snow some places um well there I woke up to six inches of snow yesterday morning in Meadville which is where I was happened to be yesterday morning um about an hour south of me um we got a little bit up here but they got like a bit like it was great it was like their first real like and it was solid it was cars crashing it was great oh yeah you can keep it um that sounds <laughs> delightful um so Oh, we got so much to talk about. First, I'm going to ask you this very important question. What is your favorite outdoor temperature? That's, I've been talking to people about that, oddly, a lot, because I like many temperatures. I don't like hot, but mm-hmm. I, I would be, I love to be cold. Um, I love it. Like, you know, like in the twenties, I'm good with twenties. Um, sixties, seventies is kind of like a, a happy place for me. Okay. Um, but I got to put you on the spot. You've got to pick a temperature <sighs> right now. The, the range I've heard from people is I believe 60, 60 is the lowest and 80 is the highest. That's the range I've been hearing from people so far. Um, and and look, it's got to be the perfect outdoor temperature. Not humidity can't be considered. Jessica tried to okay. sneak in humidity because oh, Jeff, it depends on the humidity. No, it's got to be a temperature that you're happy with, no matter what the humidity is. Um, I'll go with seventy two. Seventy two. Seventy two sounds like a good temperature. <laughs> um, minus sixty sixty seven. I think that's a that's kind of right in that neighborhood. Um, I, I like a good cold day now and again too. It was. It was rather chilly here at the beach today. It was like forty when I went went out with the dog, Ooh. but then the sun came up and 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 that ended. So that was great. Okay, the next question, and I had never this this one um is is uh, all due to Brett. Um, I had never even considered this. What's your favorite direction? North. North. All right. All right. You're the first one that's picked one of the cardinal directions so far, I think. Um, we've had uh, Brett's favorite direction is right or left. Um, ah. I've heard a couple four, uh, a couple, a couple um, straight, like straight ahead. Um, me <clears throat> minus minus four, minus temporal, minus time related, minus minus forward. Because uh, I'm I'm huh. I'm really happy being right here in the present. Um, but if I got if I got to move in time a direction, I'd prefer to go forward. I got no. I, I spent a lot of time looking back. I, um, so I'm I'm glad 
Brett threw that one out there because I had, I had never I like thought that. about direction, favorite direction, yeah. and, and everybody's got an interesting take on it. So that's been yeah, interesting, been fun huh. so far. But before we're going to talk about scary tales in a minute, listeners. But we got to we got to un, unpack this. Oh no, the other thing. What what happened to your soap dish? How's your soap dish doing? You repaired my, your soap dish. It is. I repaired my soap dish, and it is still attached to the wall. I can't say it looks great. There's like where I glued the crack it's it's i mean it looks like there's a crack there it wasn't invisible but it has um, withstood multiple guests taking many many showers based on towels that i have to <laughs> wash towel usage <laughs> <laughs> and and it's still hanging in there so i'm uh hooray for gorilla glue yeah well well and and your and your handy womanship so so congratulations <laughs> on that anything else break or or need repairing no, last lady there like has lost a diamond ring that I can't find. But that's, that's so a different skill set needed. Oh well, um, I mean, if you find it, let me let me know. Maybe I'll give you a, I'll give you a ten cents on the dollar if we have it. <laughs> yeah. um, Valentine's Day is coming up, so I got to start my shopping. Um, so the other day, I saw a thing I've never seen in all of my fifty-four years. And I'm still trying to make sense of it. And and so maybe you've seen this thing before or can make sense of it. Um, I'm at the beach. There's a a, a highway and then a, a wide trail walking path kind of thing along along the uh, the edge of the beach there. Um, and dude is, is riding a bike, an adult male human riding a mountain bikeish bike along along the path he stops he gets off the bike he walks it down this there's like a three or four step embankment to get down to the sand he walks the bike down that and then to cross the sand with the bike now normal um i don't think i'm misusing that word normal people would tend to grab the bike by the front of the bike somewhere around the handlebars so that they could pull the bike through the sand and steer it mm -hmm. that's my experience this guy grabs the bike by the seat stem and proceeds to walk with the bike backwards. He's got the rear, the 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 seat stem is in his right arm, right hand. He's got the back tire lifted off the sand a little bit, and he's pulling the bike through the sand with the the front end of the bike and the handlebars and the front tire flopping back and forth behind him as he drags him through his sand, uh, through the sand about across you know 40, 50 yards of sand. Um, where he lays down the bike and then proceeds to 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 hang out at the beach a little bit. Have you ever seen your face is telling me you have this no. is a new thing to you too? I that I I know. <laughs> Could you hazard a guess as to what the fuck Ears. is going on? Ears. I don't 
I'm not, I don't ride a bicycle. I, and I, I had a traumatic childhood biking experiences. So I did not ever take up biking as an adult, but I have many friends and relatives who do. And they're always talking about their gears and their gears, this and their gears, that. So maybe it had something to do with protecting his gears. I don't know. I ride a bike all the time. And <laughs> that, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a, it's a good, it's a, but no, no, it couldn't. There's not a gear thing it could um he didn't seem because I, I i kept watching the guy right because he's at the beach and i'm just kind of is there is he going to do anything else that's going to inform this other thing i saw and he didn't seem to be particularly drunk or stoned um and he rode the bike with enough skill that i'm pretty sure it wasn't his first time on the bike um i but could it have been his first time on the um, bike on the beach because <laughs> i would not personally myself think about trying to take a bike onto a sandy beach but that's well most people leave their bikes on the on the concrete step embankment going down to the sand um because we don't have a we don't have uh, uh, bike thieves laying in wait, uh, hiding behind palm trees, waiting to steal steal your bikes. Um, so, I mean, that could have been it. But as an adult human, he's walked the bike other places for for sure. Because I I don't know, listeners, if you have any thoughts about this, I go over to myplayhaven.com and let me know because I'm I I I just I, 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 I appreciate it because I, the, the reason I like asking about the temperature and the favorite direction is because I, I like the diversity of thought mm-hmm. um, and just, just seeing that play out with just the, the handful of people that, that, that share here on the show is neat. So I, I like the fact that this was a different thing, but it just doesn't fit in the world. Um, you think it was an alien? <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, that would explain it if he was some sort of alien or or time traveler who came back from the past. But I don't know how he would get a time machine. Maybe somebody from the future went into the past and and lost their time machine, and he hopped in and never. He was brand new to bikes, but he figured out how to ride it, but didn't know how to how to walk it. Maybe the bike was the time machine, and there was. You know, the seat's the most stable part of a bike. Uh Uh-huh. So if you were on like wibbly-wobbly sand, handlebars, wheels, everything, all of those are moving and the seats just sit there. Maybe it's like, grab hold of the most sturdy part of this bike. It's, if he was an alien, especially. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm hoping I see the guy again, and and I hope I live long enough to to uh, see some some other human do this, so that I have another another data set to to evaluate and and maybe mm-hmm. try to make some sense of. Um, so uh, I, I think we've wasted people's time enough with that. Well, it's um, too bad because I saw something on YouTube today that is just about as strange. Oh, oh, and tell me, tell me, long. tell me. Um, but I have started to do needle felting finger puppets and somehow because 
I have started to watch YouTube videos. YouTube decides they know exactly what I need in my YouTube feed now. So today I got a YouTube video of a guy who was making a 17th century waistcoat out of, wait for it, Werther's like candy wrappers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 18 minutes of my life I will- These ones? Yeah. Yes. And he goes through the entire process of like pressing them and like cutting them and putting them onto like stitching 18 minutes of my life. I will never get back. But what I, that's what I thought. I thought I would never have thought I've eaten plenty of them and sure. I would never have thought of making clothing out of them. I, 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 I've got a jar sitting right here um, because every once in a while my throat's a little bit scratchy before I got to hop on the zoom and, uh, and that was, that's been my go-to throat thingy. Um, so maybe I need to watch that video and start saving my Werther's wrappers. 155. It took him to make this. I mean, it was, he had like cloth as well. It wasn't uh -huh, just sure. Well, I would have done it with duct tape, but he actually has sewing skills. Well, um, listeners, if you make interesting things out of interest, and I mean, that's totally loose parts play too. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. I know. I was like, that's high end loose parts play. That's amazing. Um, listeners, if you, uh, do any weird things with weird stuff. And again, if you know what was going on with that bike, let me know. Um, so we're talking scary tales. Where do you want to jump in? Well, I've been thinking a lot about scary tales. Um, when we're recording this, it's just a couple of days after Halloween. And the month of October, I kind of went on this rabbit hole search of the story Hansel and Gretel. Um, and the reason I did that, I did it for my newsletter because I always have to pick fairy tales. And this was when I had a bunch of copies and discovered there were a whole bunch more. It's also the fairy tale that Many people come to me and go like, oh, that's my favorite fairy tale. And then they read it as adults and are like, oh, God, who could ever share this? I had a student who said, I would never share this with kids. It's I mean, you know, like there, there's the, the, their kids and the witch wants to eat them and their parents leave them in the woods and it's abandonment. And it's like all of the bad stuff. And I keep saying uh, you're right. All of that is in Hansel and Gretel. But why do you think as a child, like you liked it so much? And most adults are unable to, to fathom. They think it must be a false memory that they couldn't possibly as a child have loved this story of children being abandoned in the woods by their parents and almost destroyed by a witch. Um, and to me, that it is the, the quintessential tale of resilience. I mean, all fairy tales, I think, are about resilience. But sure. this one is, is, is like, these kids overcome all of this stuff by working together and by being smart and by, um, you know, it, they, I mean, they use all of those protective factors. Their relationship glues them together. They outwit their parents. They outwit the witch. They... And they and they get back and they have a happy ending. And, and then they, you know, like, so all of those things are in there. But we, let's, let's walk through this tale because okay. I I remember <laughs> parts of it, but um, I haven't read 30 copies, 30 versions of it in the last month. So um, let's see. <laughs> well, um, I Hansel have. <laughs> and Gretel, bro brother and sister, right? Brother and sister. Um, it's in the fan, fan in a they're they're starving. 
And mm-hmm. so they overhear um, their parents. Sometimes it's mom and dad. Sometimes it's dad and stepmother um, talking at it's night. Evil stepmother. I mean, you know, like you know, there's a lot of great debates about like, but about half the ones I read it is that their actual mother, half uh, evil stepmother. Uh, mother stepmother person says, "Look, we're all going to die." if we have starvation, if we don't do something, um, let's leave the kids into the woods and leave them there. And then, and the father's like, oh no, we can't do that. They'll die. And she's like, look, it's either them or it's all of us. So let's just do it. So they go into the woods. Um, they tell their, well, the kids um, are awake and listening and they get scared and and the brother says don't worry i got a plan so he sneaks out of the house and picks all these white pebbles up while everybody else is sleeping puts them in his pocket head out in the morning and he drops the pebbles as a path a way of marking their trail so they can get home afterwards and they say you know what are you doing you're poking along he goes i'm just looking back at the house where my cat is there's all this other stuff that's i i heard a is there a is there a breadcrumb version too okay so the so they yes that is the same version because they, they they dump the kids in the woods uh the light moon comes out they follow the pebbles back and like spring here we are <laughs> and their parents have to of course let them in um and then some time passes and the same conversation happens but this time the door outside is locked so he can't pick uh, up the he can't pebbles. go out and- so he has they give the kids as like here here's something to eat in the woods here's a bread crust for each of you so he sneakily puts his little bread crumbs down all the way. And of course, when they're ready to head back, the birds have eaten the bread crumbs. So you, you are correct. There is a bread crumb. I, 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 if, if I was starving to death in a, if I was a peasant starving to get in a famine, um, I wouldn't be, I, I would have eaten the, the bread. But he knew he had to get back. He, I mean, they didn't, they, the kid, it was just the kids. It's yeah. The kids. I get so, and and sister holds on to her bread and shares it with the brother. So it's like oh, no, lovely, you know, that's good. Anyway, that's good. but so, unfortunately it didn't work because the birds also the birds, were yeah. hungry. All right. So if if Tasha tried twice to <laughs> abandon me at the beach, she's like, hey, honey, let's go for a walk on the beach. Um, after I heard her talking to the dogs about how how we had to we had to cut down the size of the family a little bit and and I was obviously the one that had to go and they take me for a walk on the beach and I do the stone thing and then I find my I still find my way home and then the second time um the breadcrumb thing doesn't work I I'd give up on going home after after two attempts well what they did was they kept walking in the woods and either by their own devices or some in some stories there's like a bird that comes along and kind of leads them to this gingerbread house cake house candy house lots of different versions of of this house which of course they're starving by this time um because they haven't eaten for a couple of days and they go and start breaking off the uh, pieces of the house and then they hear this nibble nibble like a mouse who's that nibbling at my house and it turns out to be this witch person sometimes just an old lady but whatever she comes out um she's very kind to them she brings them in she feeds them good food 
food, everything's happy, gives them nice, lovely beds. And then the next morning she wakes up and she takes Hansel, the boy, and puts him in a cage. Um, so because she's going to fatten him up to eat him and she makes Gretel, the sister, do all, their, all of her work. And so they are in this situation, but they're tricky. Hansel like brings out this, when she reaches in, she's blind because I guess all witches in these, this story are blind. Sure. He, uh, she, she wants to feel his finger to see if he's fattening up and he sticks at it. Um, chicken bone and so she can't figure out why he's not getting fatter and meanwhile Gretel's working 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 and then uh they realize that um which finally gets tired she's like okay it doesn't matter he's like fat enough for me and she tries to get Gretel to climb into the oven to check to see if it's hot enough for the bread that they're going to use eat with Hansel stew and Gretel being smart realizes this is a trick and she tells the witch she can't possibly get in she can't she doesn't know if she can reach in that far and the witch says well of course you can even i can and the witch climbs in gretel swoops, slams the witch into the oven boom which um burns up gretel un uh releases hansel they come out they look around the house they discover the riches which is rich and like pick up all these jewels stuff their pockets full and then get home to by this time the evil mother slash stepmother has died and the father is there so happy to see his children and they have um they they live happily ever after because uh they have money they can buy food and the the kids overcame the wicked witch the end i i think it's delightful i <laughs> the the candy house i get hung up on that because i mean in the rain that that sugar is just it's, it's just magic. Gonna... It's magic. And it's magic. I mean, and I mean, homeowners the insurance and belief, a... Jeff. Home homeowners insurance on a candy house. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 gonna you're gonna be paying. And I mean, how's that gonna stand up? I, I think I think about hurricanes now that we moved down here. And how's a candy house gonna stand up through through a through a winter storm or or a hurricane or something? It's it's it. I just I just can't believe that that's this is a true story. I guess. <laughs> well, I mean. Come on. So <laughs> why? Why? Haven't you ever had a gingerbread? I just house? can't, I just can't suspend my my uh my my I just can't I, I just can't I I just I'm not good at it. Um and that's because you're a grown up. Sure. I'm sorry to whip this insult at you, but oh no, no, I that's I why. wear the I wear that's the mantle it. proudly. Um so kids love this stuff because these stories provide them a safe way to play at being scared in part, right? I, be I believe that is a big part of why so many of the children, children are not afraid of most of the fair, most children. I mean, I guess there are always the exceptions. I've never had a child be afraid of any fairy tale that I've told or read them, even like the the true grim ones, like ones that, you know, like people de being decapitated and heads copping off and, you know, like all of that stuff. Kids don't seem to, to mind it. And they get, I mean, what we know from neuroscience is that when all of us, including children, are reading something that's, that's like a little scary, then our brain, all of those neural networks start cranking and it gives us that like delicious edge of anticipation. And then when it's solved, 
all of our oxytocin and all those uh, neurotransmitters flood us and we feel good, but it gives us, it, it helps our brain actually practice being a little bit scared. And like, why do we have Halloween the way we have it? I mean, is it because of the homeowner's insurance of, of like, you need to kind of constantly rebuild your candy house? Or is it because everybody likes to be just a little bit scared because then we, when we overcome that fear, I mean, it's like risky play. I th fairy tales are the risky play of children's literature. Absolutely. I, th I, I think that acknowledging that, um, and it's the grown-ups that have the problem with the fear, not the kids. Yeah, and so a grown-ups like Disney executives um, take these wonderful, poignant tales and sanitize them to the extent that there's no there's no risk there's no no real fear they 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 take all the they take all the the potential danger the hazard out of them and they they lose a lot then and we end up with i i would argue that be oh, in in the last for 30 40 years as these tales have been sanitized more and more We've also ended up with generations of less resilient children. Now there are other reasons. It's not that that loss <laughs> of resilience isn't due just to fairy tales, right? But are are is is the sanitation sanitization of the fairy tales a contributing factor to? lowered resilience or am i just full of shit I, I believe that it is and like you say you can't say it's like say the fairy tales and we would have no more mental health yeah. issues in, among children but if you think about it like what what first of all kids hear have you know what stories do they hear so what's going on in their brains as they hear stories and now they're like you know like i have nothing against pete the cat or like the pigeon on the, the bus. But I mean, we're not talking like critical life and death situations here that can give kids that that little like, ooh, what's going to happen? And watch, like the thing about fairy tales is that the heroes, even if they're like Hansel and Gretel, who are just these poor kid kids like abandoned in the woods, they're mostly kids or the, the younger, youngest, and the the they are people without power are usually sure. the ones who end up being the heroes in these stories, just like kids. So they're hearing these stories and that's a piece of it. But then kids play the stories, like whether they're watching like Power Rangers or, you know, I, I don't watch um, kids TV anymore because I don't have any children around me, but whatever stories they're seeing on TV work into their dramatic play. Absolutely. And, and I think that that to me, I mean, you can you can be a power ranger and be awful powerful, but if you're uh, and that that, you know, great. I love it. I'm all you know, I have nothing against superhero play. But what is it like if you're if you're playing something like Hansel and Gretel and you're just a regular schmucky kid and you still are able to overcome the the witch? You're still able to to I think that it's a much more empowering message as children are playing it out and it gives them much more flexibility in creating those characters and those scenarios. Um, and you, you know, like if they if they if they're given white bread fairy tales like Disney or anything they see on TV, their play is going to be more white bread. 
And I just feel like we owe children the opportunity to have these rich, ancient stories. I mean, you've got tons of wonderful stories on your website that are probably have never come to light in you know many years. And yet, if children were, if they were shared with kids, wouldn't they, you know, wouldn't you rather have kids like fighting dragons and figuring out like how the the fox became sneaky than than just like how pigeon shouldn't a pigeon a bird shouldn't drive a school bus i mean i i'm sorry i know i like everybody loves pigeon everybody loves pete the cat and i'm like i have nothing against these stories but like when we're talking about what like the richness of of fairy tales that have been told for hundreds sometimes thousands of years they're jane the author's jane yolen um called fairy tales um, and folk tales tongue polished because all of the the stuff that really doesn't matter has gotten like rubbed away they're culturally mm-hmm. all same stories can be told all over the world in just with various cultural i mean there's something something very human about these stories i think they're tales of resilience and 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 we're not offering kids that because we're afraid we are afraid that they're going to be afraid yeah yeah and and a lot of the modern stuff that kids are consuming the the people creating that reach back to these tales for for some of their some of their themes i i think um uh last last weekend i was i was I was forced to watch. I, I I wasn't forced. I I I I watched a couple movies I wouldn't normally watch, um, because Tasha picked them. Um, they were superhero movies. They they were the uh, Shazam. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I I am not a big. I mean, I like the Batman. You can't go wrong with Batman. But so Shazam, he gets his his superpowers. He's he's a kid. He's like a like a twelve year old or whatever when he gets his superpowers, and he's an orphan. And and of course that I'm powerless and then I have this power and I've got to outsmart the bad guy. That all comes from from those 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 fairy tales. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a that's a a theme that we humans seem to be really interested in the the powerless person prevailing over over great obstacles. And and so why not go back to some of the source material and and uh and, and enjoy that with kids when when that's an option i i mean i think i think that it's so rich and you know we talk we want to make sure that things are culturally relevant for children and and if we really look at like hansel and gretel the most of the versions that i i have are are um or the European one, but I found I have one from the Philippines. Um, the Italian one is really, really odd. <laughs> it's like kind of a combination of Hansel and Gretel meets Jack and the Beanstalk, and there's a giant, and they're like, Ooh. you know, they overcome. And the, and the house, like, was, the house yeah. is made out of pizza. Please tell me the house no, is made out of pizza. No, now that one, there's just a house. They don't like. They just, just you know, house. it's yeah, it's just kind of this Jack and the Beanstalk. These kids show up, and the giant's going to eat it, eat them. And um, I, I mean, there, but there, they are. To, there are variants of that one, even from from very diverse cultures around the world. Oh, I got had one. I can't remember. I did for my dissertation. From I found one in uh, from uh, Africa, like South Africa or something. That was like there was an alligator, and I don't know. I can't remember the details because it wasn't a great story. And, but and um, uh, these these stories they. 
I, I, I don't know. There's, it, it's something almost primordial about them because they are, they are so old. And I mean, to some extent, they grow out of real life because I'm guessing the reason these stories about, hey, we're starving and we're all going to die if we don't get rid of some of us, um, that, that really happened. Yeah, I um, actually read it. Read an article of like from some some group in at Smith College that they they're studying these and they identified there was a, a famine in the 13th century and they've traced. They were like, that's 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 Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, and and okay. so 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 um, we're 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 far removed from that in in most most uh, situations. But imagine hearing that story when that's actually part of your life. I think the kids, the kids in the hovel down the road disappeared. And then you hear the story. I mean, it's, it's a lot more scary uh, back then, I'm guessing than it is, than it is now, if you even tell the scary versions. Right. But, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing about resilience is like that we've been talking about is whether you're, you're, you know, in the middle of a famine or whether you are, crashing down the hill on on your skateboard and wipe out um you we all need the ability to be able to like bounce back when bad things happen to us and recognize that you know there are these things that will help us our our relationships like you know your your buddies that were there your your initiative like how you're going to handle it how you're going to problem solve your self regulation all of those things those protective factors like you can look at these these fairy tales and the problems may be different. We may not be meeting witches that are going to, you know, want to cook us for dinner. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I have not personally had that experience. But the the I think that the thing about fairy tales is they give us this imaginary world where you can play out these these the, the resilience. That's I think that's why yeah. they are so universal, is because everyone throughout all time has had adversity and challenges. And if you don't overcome them and figure out ways around them and know how to use your network to and your relationships to to support you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be. You're not going to have a great life. If, if so, so why why do we'll assume good intentions? Why do adults mm-hmm. decide to 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 whitewash to to polish to prune? these amazing and important and valuable stories? I believe that it is, it is a hundred percent good intentioned. I mean, well-intentioned that people it's, it's, it's the same reason that people don't want kids to climb up a slide or they don't want them to teach preschoolers that you can cut with real knives instead of those plastic ones that don't cut when we're making a, a, you know, like a soup. We don't want kids to be hurt. We don't want kids to be scared. We don't want kids to, I mean, I I have a a very old friend that I've been fighting with about fairy tales for almost 50 years because she thinks that the the stories are like that the world is a really beautiful place and that children need to know that the world is a beautiful place and that when bad things are in stories it's going to scare them and like it they're they're not going to believe that the world's a beautiful place and I like I'm like but it's it's really not I mean it's 
like I looked at her, I look at her life. I look at my life and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really not sunshine and unicorns all the freaking time for any of us. So why are we trying to protect children? And I, I think, you know, Waldorf is a um, philosophy of, of education that is all about beauty and aesthetics and color. And they do fairy tales from day one. I mean, they are all about the fairy tales and they don't sanitize them and they're not, they are the, the, the real fairy tales because Rudolf Steiner and the people who have generated that philosophy recognize that that there are their challenges and, and our best shot is teaching kids to overcome those challenges through the metaphor of stories and through play and through their imaginations. I mean, you know, if you fight a dragon in your imagination, the better chance that you're going to be able when a bully comes up to you on the playground, you're going to have something to say rather than just be like, okay, I give up, you know? I mean, I, my, my feeling. I, yeah, I think well, the, the way you get to the unicorns that fart cotton candy, the, that beautiful world that happily ever after is you, you travel the, the dark and stormy path. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got to you got to put in some effort to get to that so I'll, I'll agree that there are beautiful parts of the world but to to see them you've got to go through the dark and gloomy stuff and when we when we don't expose children to the dark and gloomy when we we try to protect them from that we're giving them a a unrealistic version of the world and we're leaving them less prepared than than they would be if they had exposure to these kinds of tales and the the play that uh, that grows from them. I, I mean, I certainly believe that if we think about, I mean, I think you could take, um, that's why I've started to talk to people because I mean, there are a lot of people in our field who are at least familiar with the concept of risky play now. I mean, that's become something that people are talking about, which 20 years ago, they were not, not many people anyway you were doing it, but, <laughs> um, but I think that somehow that hasn't trans and it's the same thing. Like, why do we think risky play is so, so beneficial for children? It's because when you learn how to take risks in an environment where the, the grownups are not going to let you fling off, you know, the, whatever you're, you know, I mean, most kids are not going to take risks that they can't physically handle. If we're talking about physical, yeah. um, risky play, um, but if you you feel so great when you accomplish something that you're a little bit afraid of doing and you're not sure you can, I mean, that builds you up. But you, if you fall, if you do fall down and you scrape your knee because you went up the slide the wrong way or you, you jumped over a, a, you know, a, a log that was too wide for you, you can, you'll, you're not dead. You get up, you dust yeah. off and you move on. And I think that, that, somehow that that understanding that we're starting to get with how important risky play is and and its connection with helping children not be anxious and depressed and all of these mental health issues that we're we're talking about that kids are prepared when really bad things happen if they've had lots of opportunities to take risks and to overcome them and if if 
they're still challenged and, you know, if they, if it doesn't work out, then figure out how I'm going to do it next. You know, like if you fall over a big log and scrape your knee, most kids, if they're supported in the right way, are going to get up and try it again in a day or two, just like you did with your, your skateboard, you yeah. know, like and, and after, stop you. after, after falling down 15 or 20 times, they're going to learn how to traverse the log. Right, right, exactly. And they're, they're going to, uh, you know, say, oh, wait a minute. And you know what? I did something that really, really was hard. And, and don't I, you know, so the next time something hard comes up, you know, maybe, maybe it's a life situation. Maybe it's a bully. Maybe it's the death of somebody. Maybe they're, you know, like whatever happens, they're going to have that. I mean, it really is in your brain as well. It is those neural networks, but it's also that self self-awareness, that self, that agency of like, I got this. I'm going to be okay. I will be able to handle this too, because it took me 15 times to jump over that log. But you know what? Number 16, I crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and ran away and stood on top of it and made all of my, my muscle arms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so whether kids are bringing scary play that makes adults uncomfortable into our environments because they heard fairy tales or because they watched a Ninja Turtle movie. Um, we should look in those environments for ways to embrace that play instead of shutting it down and making it taboo because they're, they're getting all of those benefits. They get, they get the benefits from, from hearing the story or watching the movie of, Hey, here's somebody that's not powerful being powerful. They, mm -hmm. they get that kind of model, but then the playing it out is a way to kind of bring it into their own lives and personalize it for them. And that's a, that's a vital part of the process. They get shut down in way too many early learning settings, I think, because, because adults, they don't like, I, I think about in terms of of aesthetics. We don't adults don't like the way the play looks. They don't mm -hmm. like it, it. It it grates on their idea of what children's play should look like because we should all be prancing around, being being happy bunnies or or whatever. I guess. But but if if there's darkness in the world, that darkness is going to show up in children's play. And it's it's there for a reason. If they want to bring it into their play, they're bringing it there for a reason. And we should we should respect them enough to respect that play. I agree a thousand million percent. You know that. I mean, I just I think that we um, if if this last 30, 40 years or however long when parents decided they were going to bubble wrap children. I don't know how, when that started. I mean, my kids didn't get bubble wrapped. So my son's 40, somewhere in between then and now people started, the bubble wrap brigade started to, to, to be uh, the model of parenting and, and, and not just parenting, but also caregiving and in, in early childhood settings. And if that were effective, we would now be seeing young adults who were resilient and who were able to cope with the stressors that they are encountering. And we are not, we are seeing so many children, so many young adults um, and everybody in between um, just being crushed by anxiety and, and deteriorating and um, not yeah. not being able to overcome stuff so it hasn't worked I guess that to me is like as yeah. a, I, I, you know it would be great if bubble wrap worked and we were all happy and and safe now but we're not and so yeah, I it's pretty pretty clear that that's been a failure 
yeah, let's go back to, to looking at all the ways that children used to have ability to play, um, whether they were in childcare settings or at home or in their neighborhoods or wherever, because those people were, I mean, they, I'm not saying that people in past generations were like epitome of humans, but they sure were a lot more resilient and, and yeah. were a lot more able to, to, to bounce back when bad things happened. And I think that fairy tales are just a, like a piece of that. And it, it is it is absolutely, I believe, tied in. It's not just what they hear in their imaginations and all of the, that or see in their imaginations and that, but it is, they take the stories that they are meaningful to them into play. And as you said, make them their own and think about the difference. I mean, having that, like, I think Vygotsky talked about, like when kids are playing, it's almost like they're, they're I think, I can't remember the exact term I used to know it, but like they're, it's like a doubling. So they are like so happy to be playing with their friends, but they also at the same time are like scared because they have to, like they're facing a witch or a dragon. Yeah. And to be able to handle both of those emotions in their play is a, fantastic i mean that's what kind of what real life is you kind of got to do right <laughs> yeah yeah real life can get complicated yeah. um and so it's it's cool if play is a little is allowed to be a little bit more complicated because that that builds i mean you you get in some reps you do you, you practice for for what's going on on in the real world play I mean, it's one of Grace Five Conditions of Play. Play is set apart mm -hmm. from the real world in some way. Mm -hmm. And that that makes it a safe haven for kids to explore these topics so that they're they're going to be better armored when they go out into into the real world um that that's not play. And and their young kids are very good at differentiate differentiating between play and the real world. Um and you know, supporting these kinds of play. Isn't that isn't that difficult? Because because basically all you need to do is stop shutting it down. <laughs> Get out of their way. <laughs> and just just bite your tongue and step back a little bit. And even though you don't like the the idea of 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 cute, perky little three and four year olds decapitating and killing and and poisoning each other, um let it go because it's not about you. It's about them and their needs. And so we, we need to get out of our own way, I think, um, in a lot of ways to support this kind of activity. I agree. You know, and I know, I mean, like guns are such a big hot topic and they always have been, that has not been different from the time I started teaching 50 years ago. Um, but you know what? There aren't, there are almost no guns in fairy tales. <laughs> you may have swords, you may have dragons, you may like slice off people's feet, but people want to avoid gunplay and still give them these rich stories that have have um, conflict. I mean, you know, fairy tales are about conflict and resilience. Yeah. Well, and, so, and I mean, stories. I mean, stories that lack those things are kind of boring stories. Um, <laughs> Nobody, nobody wants to read a book or watch a movie that doesn't have some conflict in it. It's, right. uh, hey, things were great today and uh, uh, tomorrow seems to be like it's going to be pretty good and uh, the outlook for next year is okay. I mean, that's not a, that's not a novel you want to, you want to sit down and spend time with. No. Uh, well, maybe, maybe some, maybe some people do. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, 
I got to ask before we wrap this up, if you're walking through the woods, would you be enticed by a by a house of made of candy or or would there be some other type of house that would that the witch would have to construct to entice you into into captivity? Mm. <laughs> the first thought that comes to my head is I would not be able to resist a book made out of fairy tales. <laughs> I can uh, just imagine this this book in the woods with all of these picture book fairy tales with their spines sticking out that I could look and just like a library, except it's a house. And I would 100% yank a book out of and break a window to, to read it. Oh, why are you pulling my house apart? Um, <laughs> for, for me, it would probably be be bacon, uh, the house of bacon <laughs> out in the out in the woods. That was it was I don't you know, it's it's witch magic that the bacon is still warm, even though it's I don't know if bacon would be very structurally sound. Um, I don't know if it would be giant strips of bacon like put across like siding. Um, yeah. or if it'd be built easy to make a house with like that. Yeah, there's I, I can think of four or five ways to be able to build a bacon house. Um, <laughs> but the, the cost of bacon has gone up so much lately that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try. That would be that would be more more expensive than real building materials. Um, but um I think bacon it's something that would entice me. I don't think candy would. I think maybe a a now if it, it, kids would it would be like a house of iPads is what would attract kids. <laughs> kids nowadays they're walking along and it's just this this house made out of screens maybe i don't know that's that's stupid um it would entice them (laughs) hey another thing before we wrap this up is i started i've I've gone down a i've gone down an amazon prime video rabbit hole i started watching the old i think it started in 1966 um television series mission impossible oh i love mission impossible dun 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 uh, yeah dun, dun. That one? <laughs> I, I remember i remember the the music and the fuse in the in in the intro from when i was a kid must have been watching i mean i think the reruns. show went off the air in 1973 i was probably watching reruns with my dad i don't remember any characters or and any episodes or anything um so i'm newly acquainted with uh uh, with cinnamon, cinnamon. What's her last name? I can't remember any of the characters either. Yeah, cinnamon, cinnamon Taylor. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, there's like seven seasons of this, but they're like they're like forty episodes a season or something. I think there's like 170 some total episodes. So, um, hey, listeners, be be ready for some some uh, Mission Impossible talk. Um, I, I'm I'm doing it as a as an anthropologist. I love the fashion and the the uh, the the furnishings, the architecture and stuff, and 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 uh, and and looking for they 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 have a bunch of uh, stuntmen and stuff and second second level characters that are that show up in multiple episodes. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking for them, and it's it's gonna. Uh, I live a really boring boring life. Um, <laughs> That's that's been just made very clear to me, um, but there've there been some scary. So I, I look, I'm in episode five, I think. Um, been very scary so far. Um, any any other thoughts on Mission Impossible or scary <laughs> stories that we should touch on before we wrap up? I loved I loved scary TV shows when I was a kid, and as well as fairy tales. And I think that I'm I, it all works in the same way. I I, so. I, I, we we like that we like to be intrigued we like to be 
we like to be, uh, I, I'm sure there are people that don't, and, and there's different different levels of this, but people like to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. to, to, to yeah. some extent. Because then when you get that resolution, yeah. that message that I, I too can like be terrified, but I can make it come out okay. And I, I think that we all need that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got that going on in life now, and I've, I've look another another resilient story and and being uncomfortable. I gotta I gotta go not this weekend, next weekend. I gotta I gotta leave the beach and get on an airplane and go do it. I I when we moved, I decided I was gonna not do any any road trips, any pr live presentations for for a year, um, so I can enjoy the beach for a while. And and that's up, and so I'm gonna go do my first live gig in in a, in a in a long time be but so the I, I had to practice wearing pants the other day because <laughs> i'm gonna have to like i'm gonna have to like wear 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 big boy pants for like a whole day and you know i i podcast in my in my sweatpants and and uh i i, I can't show up to present in them so i, I I've, I've been practicing making myself uncomfortable so that i'll be able to not visibly have it annoy me during the during the presentation um and i've and i've also been been trying to irritate myself so i'll be ready to go through airport security again so uh, <laughs> already already for that um i'm i'm driving to to nashville that week because i'm not decided i i don't have enough resilience to go through airport security and wait yeah so, yeah uh, yeah. Um, so listeners, stay tuned to uh, see if I keep my pants on for that whole presentation. Um, this this here has been the Child Care Bar and Girl podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast where all of your hosts are wearing pants as far as you know. Um, thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Listeners, I always, I always wear, I always, I'm always fully clothed when we, re when we record. You don't have to worry about me. I can't, I can't testify to, to anybody else's state of dress. But listeners, I, I, your loving host, and I am always fully dressed. <laughs> there. Got that. Me too. Got that the way. Me too. As far as <laughs> as far as they know. Steph Stephanie also fully clothed, as far as you know. Um